Exciting day today, um, so we're just going to dive in because we've got a lot, a lot to get to. Um, we're, we're, this kind of marks a transition for us as a church, right? We started as a church plant uh, a little over three years ago, a group of people in my living room, right? And, and as a church player, you plant a church and you read the Bible and you realize the, the Bible always talks about there being a plurality of elders, right? You need a plurality uh, of qualified uh, shepherds, uh, men to lead and, and care for and, and feed the church, protect the church. Uh, but then you're a church planner and you realize, okay, well, it's, it's me, right? Um, so I need a plurality. So what m- most church planners do who uh, I think sense that conviction, what you do in the initial stages is, is you, you go out and you find some other pastors, like-minded pastors of other churches, or you find another church if you have a sending church, that, that church usually functions as that. We didn't have that uh, benefit here. Um, so we found a couple pastors in our church planning network to kind of serve as a transitional elder board. So it wasn't just me like, you know, I think I should get paid this, you know. Uh, I think we should set the budget here. I think we should do this, and like it's just all me. So having some accountability, having some support of these outside elders to kind of do that. But the, the downside is, is they're not here to actually care for, to feed, to lead and protect in those sorts of ways. And so, so the goal is always to raise up, be working towards a moment where you have a local plurality of elders, right? Uh, Paul says this to Titus in Titus uh, chapter 1, 5. He says, this is why I left you in Crete, right? So that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Right? So the idea is, Paul and his homies are rocking around the world, the known world of that day. They're rocking around Crete, and they're like, we're setting up churches, all right? We, we established new believers. We preached the gospel. They came to Christ. They believe in Jesus now. Uh, we're establishing the churches now. He's like, all right, Titus, I'm leaving you behind here because these churches aren't really established until they have local leadership, right? They have a local plurality of leaders in place to shepherd them, to care for them, to feed them, to watch over them, and all those sorts of ways. And so he, so he says, Titus, this is why you're still here. This is your job. And, and you, we need this because as he continues on in the book of Titus, oh, we're not preaching on Titus today, but if he continues on Titus, he's like, there's a lot of like clowns out there, right? Bizarro leaders, if you uh, remember the old Super Friends uh, cartoon, right? Guys who kind of look like the real thing but aren't the real thing, who are out to kind of lead astray and destroy. Um, and so you need real solid leaders. You need to raise up, equip, and, impl- and put, in pow- put in place, empower local leadership over these churches to see that they're established. So th- th- that's what's happening there. And so this is a significant day for us because that's what's happening today for us. And so I thought this would be an appropriate time for us to kind of talk about what are elders, right? What do they do? Because there's a lot of confusion, right? When you read in the scripture, and if you really read the passage on eldership, and you come from some of the church background I came out of in my earlier days in Christianity, I became a Christian at age 20, um, I'm 40 now, so I've had 20 years to kind of journey through that. Uh, elders in most of the churches I've been in do not look like what I read in the scriptures, Right? Elders in a lot of churches are basically like a business board. Right? Some nice, good, solid men who make like, they set the budget. They set a forecast. Maybe they, they do interviews and they help hire and fire some of the staff. But then there's this like other group of people, the staff. They're called pastors. They feed and shepherd and care for and all this stuff. But, but there's like this confusion because you look at the scriptures and it's like, no, that's, that's the same thing. Right? Elders are pastors. We'll get into that in a moment. And so I want to talk about that today so kind of have a clear understanding. I'm going to be brief. This is going to be short. You're like, you're right. Um, You're also like, why do you wear Michigan colors today? 
because I got off a plane last night and I'm like still asleep up here and I'm not, I wasn't even thinking about it. Uh, that, was, that was, I know we got Michigan fans here. Shame on you. <laughs> Power of the gospel to bring people together, right? Man, I got on a plane, we're getting on a plane in Atlanta and I see IU scores a touchdown, two-point conversion with 240 left in the game. We're up by seven and I'm thinking, maybe, right? Maybe it's going to happen. Oh, we're taxiing. You got to turn your phone off, right? And I'm not paying the money for the internet. I didn't care that much. Um, So I care, but not enough to pay them $18 for an hour of internet. Um, So so then we get into Indy and I turn on the phone and I see what happened, doubled over time. Disappointing, and then I wore the shirt. So forgive me, show grace to me. But let's talk about elders. First Timothy three, one through seven. Let's stand together. Let's hear from God's word. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this day to celebrate Uh, This church, in many ways, being established right here before our eyes. Local leadership being installed and put into place, uh, celebrating the fruits of of what you're doing, Lord Jesus, in the lives of those being baptized. It's It's a great day. We are so thankful. So thankful. And I pray what maybe a text a lot of people want to check out today because we're talking about elders and leadership or whatever, that we also see in this a message for us, for all of us, what you call us to as your followers. And how you grow us in that by your gospel of grace. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have a seat. Right? First Timothy 3 uh, helps us answer the question right off the bat, what are elders? What are elders? There's a few helpful things to understand as we get into this. In the Bible, you'll see throughout the New Testament that there's this word, uh, there's the word elder, there's the word pastor, there's the word overseer. Three different titles, right? Elder. We know what that is. Pastor, overseer, it's, it's actually in the Greek, it's the word we get bishop, right? Uh, so we're, we're installing Bishop Matt today. Uh, you can call him that if you want to, uh, right? But in the, in the Bible, all three of those offices, all, all three of those titles, I should say, are one office. They're the same thing. An elder is a pastor, and it, they are overseers, right? They're, it's all the same thing. So when you see those, it's not different functions different roles it's the same role the same role and and there basically are three basic levels roles of of leadership in the church elders deacons members all of them mentioned in philippians uh, 1 1 where paul says to all the saints in christ jesus who are at philippi right members right 
the saints in Christ Jesus, followers of Jesus who are a part of this local church in Philippi, members of the congregation, you're leaders. You're a member in the church. You're not just a participant. You're not just filling a seat. You are a leader. You are a leader. People are watching you as you follow Christ, as you serve in your church, as you go about your life in your workplace on campus. You're a leader. Don't miss that. You're a leader. You're a leader. We're all called to ministry, right? Pastors, elders, they don't, they're not just the ones who do works of ministry, but rather, actually see in Ephesians chapter 4, pastors, elders, those with those gifts that are mentioned there in Ephesians 4 are called to build up the body of believers to do works of ministry. Every Christian has a ministry. Every follower of Christ is called to do ministry. Not necessarily vocationally, but you're doing ministry in the relationships that you're building, the, the, the neighborhood that you live in, the, the people that you're inviting into your home, the people that you are getting to know them as you go to the coffee shop and, and building friendships, seeking to share the gospel, opening up your mouth, giving a verbal testimony of what, what Christ has done in your life, serving the poor and the needy, not just to meet physical needs, but to also look to open doors to meet their most, the most important, the deepest need, right? to know Christ to know redemption in him. All those things, those were works of ministry. We're all called to that. Members, our leaders, to the saints, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers, elders, pastors, same thing, and the deacons, right? Deacons, and we have a number of deacons in this church, and I always make this distinction between elders and deacons. And in 1 Timothy 3, if you keep reading past verse 7, you get in the qualifications for deacons. It talks about deacons. And I believe men and women are called to serve as in a role of deacon, leading in ministry areas, meeting needs, helping the church function, helping it, like taking a leadership role, kind of a step up from being a member in the church and saying, I'm going to organize. God's called me to this thing. I got this vision. I got this plan. Let's help organize. Let's meet the needs that are before us. Let's help the elders. Let's free the elders, the overseers, the pastors to do the work that God's called them to do in leading this church. That's what deacons do. I usually use this phrase. Elders serve the church by leading, and deacons lead in the church by serving. It's kind of the distinction there. So you have all three of those roles. Elders serve as leaders of a local church, but they are not in a position of ultimate authority. For every local church is under the ultimate authority of Jesus Christ. He's the senior pastor, the chief shepherd of every church, or he should be, all right, Church isn't doing what it's called to do if he's not. And so elders are under shepherds, serving under the chief shepherd, in a position of authority, but also in a position under authority, following Christ and leading others to follow Christ as they follow Christ. And 1 Timothy 3 tells us that anyone who aspires to to serve as an, an elder desires a noble task. This is a noble task. This is a, there's great responsibility here. You read some other verses of the Bible that talk about elders and the responsibility that they, they hold for the church, that they will give an account not just for themselves, not just for their own family, but you will give an account for those under your care, right? That'll keep you up late at night in a leadership role like that. Thinking about the people under your care that you're praying for, that you're journeying with. Am I doing what I've called to do here? Am I being, have I missed something? Right? Have I not done enough? Like, give an account, those under your care. Don't presume to be teachers in James chapter 3, right, for you will be judged much more harshly. Right? This is great responsibility. It's a noble task. 
that an elder, anyone who aspires to be an elder, aspires to. And so Paul, this here in, in 1 Timothy 3, Timothy 3 uh, several qualifications that need to be a, uh, a growing reality for anyone who's going to serve as an elder in a local church. So let's walk through these real quick. Right? Uh, above reproach. And that's just a big junk drawer term that basically means a man of integrity. Integrity throughout your life. That you are in public who you are in private. Right? You are in public who you are in private. A man of integrity. Husband of one wife, which really in the Greek it, it translates literally to a one woman man. A one woman man. There's no other woman in your life. No other woman that you are seeking, you know, some kind of relationship with, whether in, in, you know, emotionally, physically, on the computer screen, one woman, man, one woman, man, sober-minded, just to be humble, to be humble, self-controlled, disciplined, and hardworking. I told you it's going to be quick. We're just rocking through these. Respectable. People are willing to follow you, right? You aspire to be an elder, and I got like, you know... Um, my wife's not even here, right? She's not even willing to follow me, right? Maybe not ready to be an elder. People need to be willing to follow somebody who's in a position of leadership like this. They need to be respectable, somebody who people want to follow, hospitable. And this is one where in the scriptures I think we miss hospitality so much. that The word in the Greek is not like you have your friends over to your house a lot, right? You have people from church over to your house a lot. That's not hospitality, actually. Hospitality is the Greek word phylloxenos, right? And you've heard of like xenophobia? A lot of xenophobia going on in our world right now with all these Syrian refugees uh, and all this talk about immigration and all that kind of stuff. And we're not going to get political here. But a lot of talk about xenophobia. Well, phylloxenos means a love for strangers. To welcome in the alien and stranger. To welcome in that person who is an outsider. Not just my friends, not just those at church, but my neighbors who don't know Christ, my, my coworkers who are hostile to the gospel, who think I'm an idiot for following Jesus, inviting them over for dinner. That's hospitality. And, and a pastor needs to be a, someone who practices hospitality, who's modeling that in their life. Able to teach. And, and this doesn't necessarily always mean preaching, right? But an elder is a man who knows the word. They know how to defend sound doctrine. They know sound doctrine. And Titus 1.9 tells us that an elder is able to instruct in sound doctrine and also able to rebuke those who contradict it, which means they know their word well enough to recognize when it's false teaching, when it's true teaching, to rebuke false teaching, to lift up true teaching of the word, to sit down over coffee and be able to talk through a passage with you about what it means and help you apply that into your life. Able to teach, able to teach. Not a drunkard, and really it, it goes broader beyond that to mean not given to any addictions. Not violent, but gentle. Right? Not quick-tempered. Tough and tender. Right? Leaders in the church, elders in the church need to be tough and tender. Able to take criticism, because there's a lot of criticism in leading in the church. I know that, <laughs> firsthand. There's a lot of criticism that comes. Some of it well-warranted. Some of it crazy, like literally nutty. Like when the dude walks into church here and tells me I'm a prophet and you need to stop saying that. That's like, I don't think so. <laughs> the Lord didn't tell me that, right? But some criticism, uh, 
well warranted. You need to be able to take it. You need to be able to receive it. You need to be able to repent, right? Tough, tough to take that. But tender, tender with people, tender with your wife, tender with your children, tender with the people under your care. Patient, patient, right? Not quarrelsome, not argumentative, not a lover of money. Not a lot of people go into ministry for the money. That's kind of a joke. Um, But the reality is, to be honest with you, as a leader in the church, you have access to funds. You can decide what happens with funds, right? So you need to not be a lover of money. There's a lot of ways to go wrong with money that don't look like I have a big house and a Learjet, right? There's a lot of ways to go wrong there. Must manage his own household well with dignity. His children respect him. They're submissive to him. Right? It's not that the kids are perfect. Right? We, don't, we don't look and say, oh, oh your kid did that, right? <laughs> You're out. Right? My kids are not perfect. Uh, Matt Johnson's kids are not perfect. Um, and any other elder we have here with children, their kids are not going to be perfect. But the idea here is that you lead and you shepherd in your home. You're a pastor first in your family. And your family's responding to that. And maybe not perfectly, We'll get into this in a minute. No, no, no one does any of these things perfectly except for Jesus. Um, maybe not perfectly, but there is a respect, there's a submission, there is a following going on there. There's a trust. There's a connection that is evident in the home, right? You pastor the home first because the big idea here is if you can't pastor your own home, why would we give you the church? Right? Why would we give somebody authority over a whole bunch of family, a big, big family, if in the little family there's not Shepherding going on the way we see in the scriptures, the way we're called to. Not a recent convert, right, to avoid arrogance. And I've seen that play out a number of times, right? You, you, somebody becomes a Christian, they become the youth pastor in the church. They get that title. Like, I think I could take this thing over. I got it, right? You know, just puffed up. It's easy to get puffed up if you're a new believer and you've been put in a position of too much authority too quickly. Well thought of by outsiders. It's not just the believers in the room but the people at your workplace, the people in your neighborhood, the people of the city respect you, right? They respect you. They may not agree with you. They may seriously disagree with you, but they respect you. They see kindness and graciousness in you. They see things that are respectable in you, well thought of by outsiders. Now, I want you to notice a few things about these qualifications. There's a big focus here on character and home life, right? Character and your home. Character and your home. It's not really a big focus here on competency. Do you notice that? There are a lot of competent leaders who are not qualified to serve as leaders in the church. Very competent, but they lacked integrity. They lacked character. They lacked a depth to them. They're not, they're not the same person in public as they are at home. They're great speakers. They're great at some things. But, but at home, it's like you got it, a picture of the home, and you'd be like, whoa. And that can destroy things, right? Character and home life. Right? Those are the big concerns. It's not that competency isn't a concern at all, but it's not the chief concern. It's much, much more secondary. But the most important thing I want you to see here is that these qualifications, and this is where it turns back on all of us, notice that these qualifications are nothing special. Maybe you could say able to teach, but I would say any follower of Christ needs to be able to know their word, to be able to communicate from their word with someone. 
These are the same qualifications that are expected of any one of us as followers of Christ. You're called to be these things. Right? You're called to be faithful in your relationships, in your marriage, if you're married. You're called to be faithful in waiting for marriage, if you're not. Right? You're called to be above reproach, men and women of integrity. You're called to be hospitable, welcoming strangers into your life. You're called to be respectable, well thought of by outsiders. You're, these are qualifications of every Christian. Right? So, so that's the interesting thing here. It's really not like, a, like there's some super, ex, like you're a super Christian kind of thing. It's, it's just a higher level of accountability. It's a higher level of accountability. But all of us as followers of Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus in the room, you're called to be these things. You're called to be these things. We're called to be growing and living these kinds of lives as we follow Christ. In the Bible, we always see a plurality of elders, right? We talked about that a moment ago. For the sake of accountability, for the good of the church, for the health of the church, the church is to be led by a plurality of elders and pastors. And, and you'll see in 1 Timothy five seventeen, it says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. And the idea here is in the scriptures, like it's not an invention of the modern church in America. Some pastors receive a salary from the church and some do not. Right? Lay pastor, a lay person who is not a professional Christian. I'm going to steal somebody else's joke, right? I get paid to be good. You guys are good for nothing. That's, you know, right, that, that whole idea? Think about it if you feel offended. Um, right? Some, some folks receive a salary. Some, some do not. But, but there, there's, there's some things going on there. Elders of the church are, are more than just a business board. Now, if you've grown up with that model, it's not just a business board. We're going to get into what they're called to do here in just a second. They, they serve as under-shepherds devoted to caring for, leading, feeding, protecting the church under the care. They're more than just preachers. All right? Pastors don't just preach. This isn't all that I do in my role. All right? This is a small portion of my week devoted to this. Right? I like to devote more time, but this stage of the game in our church with where we're at, that's just not a reality for me. Um, there's lots of things going on, lots of meetings, lots of counseling, lots of journeying with folks through things. It's not just standing up and preaching a sermon and spending the week in your study, you know, studying away and preparing for that. In fact, if that's all a pastor does, he's probably not really a pastor at that point. Pastors serve as under-shepherds, caring for, feeding, leading, protecting local church. And this gets into our question, answers our question, what do elders do? I want you to turn with me to uh, 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 5. Just a few pages over. This is Peter talking, not Paul. And he says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
Right? And verse 2 is really what I want to zero in on the most here as far as answering what do elders do. It's the key verse. And Peter says here two big ideas. They shepherd the flock, they exercise oversight. Shepherd the flock, exercise oversight. Those are the two big ideas. And each one of those represents kind of like, I would say, two major subcategories for each. So we're talking about four big ideas here. So first, they shepherd the flock of God under their care. What does that mean Right? The illustration that Peter is giving is of a shepherd tending to his sheep. Right? A shepherd out in the field tending to his sheep. And how does a shepherd shepherd the flock under his care? Well, first off, he feeds the sheep. Right? He makes sure that the sheep are fed, that they're cared for, that he feeds the sheep. And pastors, pastors feed this, the flock of God under their care by teaching the word of God, being faithful to teach the words of God in the Holy Scriptures. Feeding the, che- the church with teaching from that. Shepherds not only feed their sheep, but they also care for the sheep. Right? They, they run after them. Like, if you know about like, sheep, I'm not, uh, I didn't grow up rurally, so I have to learn about these things. Some of you may be more familiar. I don't know of a lot of sheep around Bloomington anyway, but, uh, but sheep like to wander off, right? They don't just do what they're supposed to do. They are very unruly at times, and so sometimes they wander off. And so what does a shepherd do? He runs after that sheep, right? You remember Jesus talking about the, 90, you know, the 100 sheep and the 99, and the one wanders off, and he, going after the one? A shepherd goes after those who go astray. They, they care for, they listen to. A pastor listens to, cares for, runs after those who are struggling and hurting. They care. They, they journey through life. They journey through. They weep with those who weep. They rejoice with those who rejoice. They listen. They counsel. They rebuke in love when it's appropriate. They pursue them when they wander. It's much more than just preaching, right? It's much more than just teaching. It's knowing, knowing the people of your body. They know you. You know them, right? And you care for one another. Elders shepherd the flock, but they also exercise oversight. And thinking about shepherds with their sheep again, right? They're, they're watching over the sheep. They're, they're watching over them. They're, 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 they're leading them where they're supposed to go, where they're not supposed to go as they get to where they're going, right? They lead them. Elders lead the church. How do they do that? By seeking Jesus. By being on their face before Jesus, praying Devoted to the word in prayer, Acts 6-4, you see that, that call there. The elders are to be devoted to the word of God in prayer. Studying the word, seeking Christ's face through the scriptures. On their knees before him in prayer. Praying for wisdom and direction. Not just asking for things and, and deciding this is what's going to happen. Lord bless it, but Lord where would you take us? Where would you have us? Right? Devoted to the word in prayer. Leading the church in that way. Following Christ and leading others to follow Christ as you follow Christ. Pastors lead and they also protect. A shepherd must protect the sheep from the wolves that might attack. And sometimes you have to protect the sheep from themselves. Elders likewise protect the church from wolves who come in with false teaching Wolves who are outside the church on podcasts and writing books and and selling them in the Christian bookstores, right? Protecting from false teaching, rebuking false teaching, teaching sound doctrine. 
exposing false teachers, confronting and rebuking divisiveness in the church. When, when we start fighting with one another, we can't get along. Sometimes elders have to get involved in that and help shepherd and, and counsel and work toward reconciliation amongst brothers and sisters. They protect the church. And what 1 Peter 5 makes so clear is that all of this is to be done in great humility. Great humility. Not, not, not self-absorption, not arrogance, uh, but, but humility. We're all called to look at Christ to see his humility. Right? Philippians 2. He who was equal with God but did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but made himself nothing. Becoming a man, right? Being obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. To see Christ's humility. Christ who creates and sustains all things willing to say, I will die for you. And not just on the cross but day by day by day taking up the towel in the basin we see great humility in Jesus, incomparable humility in him. Likewise, we're to look to Christ, every single one of us in the church, not just leaders, and we're to see his humility and be moved to grow in humility. None of us are humble, right? As soon as we say we're humble, we're not humble. But to be growing in that, to be growing in that, putting others' needs and interests ahead of their own. You know, we live in an age where to be a pastor in some places for some folks means to be a celebrity. And I, I've met and, and know some of those guys who are considered celebrity pastors, if you will. And I know a lot of them don't like that, don't want that. But, but we're in a, this age where, you know, you can get a podcast, you get a book, and this, this person gets lifted up on a pedestal as a celebrity. But really, if you look at the scriptures, what it means to be a pastor, it means to be a slave. It means to be a slave to the church. Not, not like you can call me at 1 a.m. and tell me what to do all the time. That's, or you can call Matt at, at 2 in the morning and say, Matt, I need you to, to you know, mow my lawn tomorrow. Um, that's not what that means. But, but to be selfless, to be giving of yourself to, for the mission of God. Right? That's what it actually means. Humility, humble leaders. This is what biblical eldership is, right? This is what elders are. This is what they do. Um, they're humble shepherds who care for, feed, lead, and protect the local church. But I want to be careful about something because it's easy to read those qualifications in 1 Timothy 3. It's easy for me in my position to read those and just be like, I've blown it, right? That's not me. And as you read that, you're gonna be like, that's not me either. I could be honest up here and tell you that like, 1 Timothy 3, I'm a fraud some of the time. And I can say that because you're all frauds some of the time, too. Right? None of us are perfect in living out those qualifications. But we should be growing in them, growing in holiness, growing in Christ-likeness as we apply the gospel to ourselves. We don't read those and think, oh, this is what I'm called to be as a Christian. I'm called to be all these things. Let me just, like, pull myself up by my bootstraps, work a little harder, let's get to work here, let me become those things. That will crush you, and that will crush me, that will crush any one of us. What we do is we look to the cross. We look to Jesus who was perfectly all these things in our place, who went to the cross to die for our failure to live up to these things, and who in him makes that true of you. To remember that in him, you are the righteousness of God. Right? 
You're not just, it's not like, we're not justified in the sense of being declared right with God, like just forgiven. But you're declared right with God in the sense of it's just like you never sinned. Right? To remember that and let that renew your heart. Re- remember the promise of the gospel and let that renew your heart to become more and more a man, a woman of integrity. We grow by the gospel. We don't grow by just working hard. That's why we preach that every week. We remember Christ. We submit to Jesus. We rest in his finished work. And that renews our heart. And we need to daily be reminding one another of that. Confessing our failures to one another. Where we've blown it. And being renewed by the grace of God that offers forgiveness. And not just forgiveness, but righteousness through faith in him.